G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. As you know, when the Prime Minister Scott Morrison withdrew the contentious religious discrimination bill from the Senate, two things happened. Religious freedom was up in the air without the promised protections. And the very existence of Christian schools was rescued from a package of changes that would have taken away the rights of Christian schools to determine their operation according to a biblical Christian ethos. Well, one of the downsides of the issue is the increasing public image of the church as being hateful towards students who struggle with alternate sexuality. That may be reflected in the media reporting around the City Point Christian College in Brisbane just a couple of weeks ago. One pastor has sought to address this imbalance and bring context for students confused about the church and sexuality. Presbyterian pastor Nathan Campbell from the City South Congregation in Brisbane recently had an article published in Eternity News entitled A Letter to LGBTIQA Plus Kids at City Point from a local church pastor. Well, Nathan Campbell is joining us. Nathan, welcome along to 2020. Thanks for having me, Neil. Terrific to be here. Nathan, you've addressed your letter to students in the City Point School, but let's just broaden that to perhaps students in every Christian school. Does it relate to every student in every Christian school? Look, Neil, I think it does. I think the circumstances that produce the letter are obviously a particular school in a particular place dealing with a particular uh, letter that was sent out to parents, but I think the principles that I was trying to push towards are applicable for not just LGBTIQA plus students, but any student trying to figure out who they are in a world that has lots of messages, selling lots of pictures of what human flourishing looks like, and just wanting to have the voice of Jesus in the mix, pointing us to the voice of the God who made us. So kids, any kids, have a hard time sometimes navigating any Christian school environment. I think kids, in my experience, having been one and as a parent, have a hard time navigating a world, not just a school, where they are uh, being invited to figure out what it means to be truly human and given lots of answers, being bombarded with pictures and messages whether that's on social media or the media or even just in their parents or their friends uh, and seeing lots of different versions of what that looks like. And so there's a lot of signal out there, a lot of noise out there, and it's hard to figure out exactly where to go for answers and and where to build from a solid foundation, I guess, towards uh, a kind of human life that is meaningful and that is perhaps lived according to the designer's manual. You talk about noise, Nathan, and your article is about trying to help kids figure out which voice is God's voice, because there's lots of noise. Perhaps the voice is the voice of the student or a voice of someone who's trying to pull them away from trusting in Jesus. Figuring out which voice to listen to is difficult for young people. 
Absolutely. Well, I think it's difficult for all of us. Uh, I think it's particularly difficult when we've got a landscape where there are so many people claiming to speak for God as well. Uh, so it's not just voices saying God doesn't love you or God doesn't exist. Uh, it's voices saying God loves you just the way you are. Um, don't change anything. And I'm not sure that fits with a, a classically biblical understanding of Christianity where Jesus turns up and the first thing he says is repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so the idea is that we do need to change things about ourselves because our hearts lead us astray. And so I think that's a message we all need to hear and that, that invites us to consider the voices we're listening to and whether they're leading us towards the heart of God or away from the heart of God. And, and Christians, I think, have believed since the time of Jesus that the one voice that calls us back or reveals God to us is the voice of Jesus. And so uh, I was concerned that in the uh, noise, particularly around the particular situation at that school uh, nearby here in Brisbane, uh, the noise was giving a particular picture of God or had lots of people in the mix claiming to speak for God uh, in such a way that it might drown out actually the, the Word of God made flesh uh, coming to say, here's what God looks like and here's why it's worth submitting your life and your body and your love to obedience to Him. You say that young people are trying to find out what the good life is and where to find their identity. Uh, We might know that outside of a Christian school, in a state school system, where there is no presence in any significant way, the presence of a godly voice, something that points the way to Jesus. But in a Christian school, uh, there's also all this noise and uh, there's still difficulty for kids in Christian schools trying to find that good life and their identity. Absolutely. I think Christian schools, uh, they offer a beautiful environment where where they're able to. The teachers uh, can bring their face to bear on even course material. Uh, public schools, I think... Uh, are a challenging environment. My kids are in, in public schools and my wife teaches in public schools and it's it's tricky to know how to be a faithful presence uh, in those communities, how to, how to represent Jesus well, um, recognising that even public schools were the product of the church and its desire to see young people educated and to be able to answer some of the big questions about the world and hoping that an education and being able to read the Bible might help people meet God as we meet him in Jesus. Uh, but that challenge is there in Christian schools as well. You've got not only um, voices from outside the school, online or, or in the, the community, but the voices of your peers and your own, I guess, internal voice, which is going to be saying uh, all sorts of things. If, if the human heart is what the Bible says it is and is inclined to lead us away from God, there's, there's going to be pressure from within unless um, people are living life in obedience to Jesus, repenting and receiving the Holy Spirit. So there's there's lots of different things to be grappling with as your body changes, as your hormones kick in, as you discover uh, your sexual desires and what that might mean for you and, and where to to seek fulfilment of those desires. There's, there's a lot of pressures hitting, particularly I guess high, high school students as they hit puberty and as they uh, are told that to be truly human is to be a sexual being uh, and, and that's a good God-given part of our humanity. So there's, there's a lot going on. Um, and Christian schools have been set up to try to help navigate that well. Um, but I wonder how much, in, in terms of a kind of reflection on the church broadly and the way politics gets in the way of pastoring sometimes, I, I wonder how helpfully we've framed 
these discussions and, and that quest for um, what it actually looks like to be truly human and, and where that's built around uh, finding your humanity by connecting, as Jesus said in John, John's Gospel, abiding in him, connecting to the vine, finding life from the source of life, uh, being born again, all that uh, great stuff is there in the Gospel of John. You know, so significant the things you're saying, and I mentioned in the introduction the public image that we have in church life or for Christian schools right now is one that there is a certain narrative that says it's hateful what's coming from Christian schools and from churches. And you've come out with a piece and you've directed it to young people and a piece from a pastor, you say, a a churchy type, the sort of voice that always has an agenda. But you are hoping that young people might read what you've got to say and catch the main point of your article. That's right. So I actually wrote the piece after talking to a parent from City Point who does have a child uh, working through exactly the issues that the contract centre parents was dealing with. And and this um, parent had, in consultation with um, the other parent of the child, withdrawn their children from the school. And uh, I was just talking to him about what what is it that your child needs to hear right now to instead of being pushed away from Jesus, be drawn near. And so that was uh, a voice in the conversation I thought that was missing uh, in, in reality, not in kind of this abstract, uh, kids might want this, but the reality is parents in families with kids who are grappling with quite complex uh, issues around their sexuality and their gender um, there weren't many voices in the discussion talking to them. There were a lot of voices talking about them and using them uh, for political ends and even the kids themselves giving their voice to different political um, agendas. And so it did seem like there was a necessary part of the conversation missing. Well, I don't want listeners to our conversation today to be in any doubt about the sort of thing you were focusing on communicating to young people in your article because you're saying with all these voices out there, listen to Jesus and he is the most important voice in all of the noise. That's right. So in my experience, and I'm not that old, I've been a pastor for eight years and in our church there are people who uh, fit within the umbrella of different experiences covered by the LGBTIQA plus label uh, who have grown up w- both in the church and outside the church and been hurt by different things that Christians have done, uh, different ways that we've approached the political issue, even different ways we've tried to uphold uh, biblical orthodoxy and orthopraxy, so belief and practice around the areas of sexuality. Uh, it's an area that is fraught, uh, an area where we are calling for costly obedience, I think, to Jesus, not just for uh, people in that umbrella of experiences, but for all of us. We're all called to submit our sexuality to the Lordship of Jesus. Uh, There's not one part of our life that he doesn't rule over, and there's not one part of our hearts that are capable of righteousness or morality without the Spirit transforming them. So there's that, uh, that idea in Romans that any deed that doesn't come out of faith is sin, and that applies across the board for how how we approach sex and how we think about who we are as people if we push God out of the picture. And so for every person, uh, whatever their experience, whatever uh, identity issues they're grappling with in terms of that question of what it means to be truly human, uh, Jesus has something to say 
to us and he calls us to find living water in him to turn from who we were previously and to find life in him like that Samaritan woman at the well. And so that's a voice that I think is really important to hear in the context of this conversation, the voice of Jesus. And I don't think obedience to the rules or to a picture of morality that we find in the Bible, I don't think that makes sense without the goodness of Jesus revealing the goodness of God to us and his abundant love and life that he has in store for us. We're actually tying our hands behind our back if we call people to obedience rather than to God and to his goodness. And so to call people to repent is not just to call people to turn from sin, but to call them to turn to Jesus and find life in him. We might say, as Christian believers, we're recipients of grace and mercy. And as I read your article, Nathan, I couldn't help but notice a very strong humility in the way that you approached the way you're writing to those students. In fact, uh, there was a number of points there. Uh, You picked up on saying sorry to the students If you don't say sorry, uh, perhaps you're accused of arrogance, but uh, ought we be afraid of saying sorry if we occasionally get things wrong while we are presenting truth? Absolutely not. I think humility uh, is a fruit of the Spirit, obviously, and it, it comes from acknowledging that our humanity comes with a whole bunch of limits. We're not going to be perfect in our responses to anything, and not only does our humanity come with limits, it comes with the same sinful nature that we're hoping the kids we're trying to raise, whether they're in our families or in our schools, are are working on themselves. And so part of modelling repentance and inviting people to repent is acknowledging where we've got it wrong. And part of uh, leading well, I think, is about listening and it's about seeing where uh, where we've got things wrong and built those things into our system that has caused harm to people. And I think that's quite a biblical idea, the idea that our, our sins end up becoming part of a political structure. It's the, the very structure Jesus comes and is faced with when he comes to first century Israel and, and is announcing himself as God's king and is rejected by the people running the temple. Uh, we need to practice a humility that flows out of recognizing who Jesus is and not a, a legalistic self-righteousness and self-justification that looks a whole lot like the Pharisees. And, and we shouldn't be afraid of that as followers of Jesus too humble ourselves and to be prepared to admit where we got it wrong and to ask for forgiveness because that's a picture of believing that the gospel is true and that um, we receive forgiveness from Jesus and and so we live in this community shaped by forgiveness and forbearance and, and repentance. Your encouragement for young people, for students and more specifically in Christian schools is listen to Jesus because in him you'll hear the voice of God. Your encouragement too to sit with the Gospel of John and take in the stories that you'll read there about Jesus and his relationships that were talked about by John in his Gospel. Let me point listeners to how they can find the article we're talking about today. You can find it in Eternity News. Now, eternitynews.com.au and you'll find the article that's written by Nathan Campbell. You can also visit Nathan's blog site, which is St. Uticus.com. That's S-T hyphen Uticus, spelt E-U-T-Y-C-H-U-S dot com. Nathan Campbell, thanks so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks for having me, Neil. It's been a pleasure. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.